Welcome to the Masterclass of One with Zig Ziglar Master Coach David Creel. It's called the Masterclass of One because it's about the person David is speaking to, but you can listen and act like David is asking you the questions. Then go and apply them and change your life. If you want to create impact in the lives of others, increase your personal income, and be a more productive and efficient human being, you're in the right place. We're glad you're here. Hello again, everyone. David Creel, World's Best W Coach, with the fourth and final call in the Transformation Project. Julia, can you believe it? Awesome. Uh, So, a slight recap. Week one, we went through agreements versus expectations. As a very quick recap, most every time you're disappointed in your life, it's because you have an expectation of other people or other people have expectation of yourself and you don't have an agreement. And you make an agreement by clear, direct communication where they feel involved in the process. Then we talked about confusing activity with accomplishment. How many times do we run around and we're just busy all day and we don't actually accomplish anything? Often, often known as putting out fires. I'm just putting out fires all day. Well, there is a place where you need to put out fires, but you don't need to put out fires every day. So what, what's the number one priority you need to get done and do that first before you do anything else? Preferably or ideally, um, what get done, what gets scheduled and gets done first generally is not interrupted. Just a little, little tip there. Then last week, we talked about if I weren't my past, who would I be? We all have a past. We all have choices that we made that we probably would have made a different choice knowing what we know now, but we made the best decision at the time that we thought was right. But the key from that is what happens if everything happens for you and not to you, where you can go and help other people with what you've gone through because a person with an experience is never at the mercy of someone with an opinion. And then that comes to today. How many times do we let either a lack of time or a lack of money prevent us from getting what we really, really, really want? So I propose to you a question. What do you want? that you currently don't have because whenever you really, 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 really want something, you find a way to get it. Either you find something to sell or you pick up a small time job 
or you work some OT or you go serve some people or you do ask people on the street for a dollar. If you need something that's a hundred dollars and you don't have it, if you ask a hundred people for $1, you've got a hundred dollars and go buy whatever it is you want. Okay. Now money is kind of a, it's a, it's a tool, but it's also not, there's more to life than money, but our time you can get more money and you can lose more money and you can lose it and you can get it and you can whatever. But our time, once that's spent, you ain't getting it back. There's no DeLorean coming down here going 88 miles an hour and looking for 1.21 gigawatts to take you back in time. It's not happening or forward in time. It's, it's impossible. So is it really a lack of time or is it a lack of priorities? Because perfect example, tomorrow is Friday. Every Friday, almost every Friday since November of 2021, I have a power hour at 2 p.m. Central Time on Zoom. Well, my son has a field trip. He asked me to go very nicely, and he said, please, and he gave me lots of sugars. So tomorrow we're not having power hour. I'm going to go be on the field trip. We're going to some wave pool and whatever. I also have something else scheduled that I bought uh, almost a year ago from noon to 4.30 tomorrow. So now I've got what we know as a quality problem, but I've got to make a decision. I had a revelation this morning. The one from noon to 4.30 would have bumped power hour anyway because this is a paid program and I'm in the middle of it. But my son's only going to be in fourth grade one time. The training tomorrow is recorded but I can't be in a wave pool and be present on this uh, webinar thing. So I've got to make a decision. Whenever I thought, I thought the original, I thought the field trip was next Friday, which would not have been a problem, but it's tomorrow. So I said, well, I said, I'll go to the field trip. Because I told him I'd go, but I didn't know what day it was when I said I'd go, and it just happens to be the same Friday. So I said, originally, like two weeks ago, when I said, oh, no, it's that great. That's okay. I'll figure something out. My original thought was, I'll go to the wave pool. No problem in the morning. It's not a problem. 
I'll miss the first session and then I'll get in my car and I will get on the next session on my way home. But then when I started thinking about what we're going to talk about today, about lack of time and lack of money and lack of priorities and lack of uh, keep a key thing to remember about that. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Okay. The main thing is I'm a husband first and a dad second and a coach third. The training is about how to be a better coach. So that's third on the list. So he doesn't know this yet. I told him two weeks ago that I'm going to be there until about 1220. And at 1230, I got to go. Well, he don't leave till like 115 or 130 or whatever time it is. So I made a decision last night that tomorrow when we get to the pool, I'm not going to mention leaving early and I'm just going to stay until he leaves and I'll get in my car and I'll just catch the replay. It's not ideal, but sometimes you might have to make a decision and being at the wave pool for an extra hour is not going to change my life. If I don't catch it live, because it's going to be recorded anyway. So that's, where time comes in about scheduling. You know, I'm choosing, because everything in life's a choice, I'm choosing to spend more time, an extra hour at the wave pool, but I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm just not going to leave until they leave. And, he's, and if he brings it up like, oh, I thought you had to go, which he probably won't because he's 10. But if he does, I'm going to say, no, I decided I'm just going to stay here and I'll just watch the replay. So, I guess my question would be, is there anything in your life that you really, really want that you don't have that you're, you have an intention to go get, but you're not committed to making it happen? Because when you have an intention, it's like the old story, four frogs are sitting on a log. And three of the four decide to jump off the log. How many are still left on the log, Julia? Four. Four. They decided. They did not act. Correct. They had an intention to jump off the log, but they did not jump off the log. They talked about jumping off the log, but they didn't actually jump off the log. So... Intention versus commitment. It's um, like similar to the story of uh, you've heard of the story probably of um, the chicken and the pig that we're talking about breakfast and that the day before they were going to have they saw the farmer had uh, ham and ham and eggs. Now, the chicken was involved in the breakfast, but the pig or the pig's brother or sister was committed because they had to die for the ham to be there. So um, intention versus commitment. There's a different mindset 
whenever you say I intend to be X, Y, Z or do X, Y, Z or whatever. But if you say I'm committed to this happening, pending unforeseen circumstances where you get in a car wreck or you're wake up, you wake up deathly sick or someone gets rushed to the emergency room, other, which let's be frankly, let's be frank about it, doesn't happen on a daily basis. This is an anomaly. But whenever you're committed to something, you'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. For example, I'm committed to, in a couple hours, getting on the Zoom call for my training I'm in right now. So unless in the next hour my house burns down or we somehow, I, I somehow lose my internet and my cell phone signal and my car breaks down, I will be on the webinar. If for some reason my internet stops working, I'll get on my phone. If for some reason that stops working, I'll pick up my laptop and I'll go to Starbucks and I'll use their internet for four hours. Okay. So, but what I like to say, this is a caveat though, right out of the book of James, tell you what, this, this just came to me. Let's just, let's just read. Let me see what it says here out of the book of James. This is James, the half brother of Jesus. So, um, I would say he's extremely knowledgeable about the subject he's speaking of. Let me find the exact verse. Um, it's in James. It's only five chapters. Okay. James 4, 15. Now, how often do we get in life where we say, I will be at X, Y, Z at whatever time? But that is actually beyond our control because we don't, we don't, that's above our pay grade. We can intend to do that. And I'm committed to being there if nothing happens, but let's read James 4, 13 um, through 16. NLT for you keeping track at home. Look here, you say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we will stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this and that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and such and all such boasting is evil. So the only caveat I would say is my plan is tomorrow to go to this wave pool. But the caveat, what I should have said was my plan tomorrow is to go to the wave pool if the good Lord allows me to live till tomorrow at nine o'clock and make it to the way pool without getting in a life ending wreck because I can't control those things. 
there's the next three seconds aren't promised, much less the next 30 years. So I would challenge you to say, my plan is to be here tomorrow if the good Lord allows me to make it to tomorrow, my plan is to be here. But we can't necessarily say I'm going to be there because we don't know. But you can also be committed to go too, meaning you can say if the Lord allows, but if you're committed and more often than not, it, it will happen. But then when, it, when does other stuff come in? Oh, well, I could go do this instead, or this could be a better use of my time, or, oh, this just came up and it's an emergency. Well, very few times in life are there actual real emergencies. Case in point, if you ever get an email about an emergency, it's not. Because if it was an emergency, they would call you or text you. And if it, well, they'd probably text you or call you. But if it was a major emergency, like, babe, the house is literally on fire. You got to get back right now. They would not email you and say, oh, by the way, babe, I know you're busy, but the house is on fire. You'd get a phone call. So there has never been a case ever in life where an email is actually an emergency. It may be someone else's emergency, but that doesn't mean it's your emergency. So take that for what it's worth. Okay, so lack of time. How many times have you ever said, I'm just so busy, I don't have any time? But if you actually did a time audit of every single, say, 30 minutes you spent in the week, I bet you you have more time than you think you do. Because everyone only has 24 hours in the day and seven days a week and almost always 365 days in the year. Now, every few years, there's an exception where you get 366 days, but more often than not, it's 365 days a year. So it's 24-7, 365. But what I've seen is, especially in our culture, or let's say the Western culture, I'm including the UK and Europe in that too, how often do we spend all day running around and we don't take five minutes just to just do nothing. Because if we think we're not doing something, we're not productive. Guilty. Guilty. Okay. But there's a great book uh, about this. Uh, it's called An Unhurried Life by, uh, let me find the guy's name, Alan Fadling, F-A-D-L-I-N-G. 
I got the audible uh, of it. And think about this. We're not designed to live our lives so frantically at the pace that we do today. For example, let's use uh, the Bible. So in the Bible days, people didn't have obviously cars, they didn't have trains, they didn't have subways, they didn't have um, uh, planes, jets, submarines, uh, whatever. They walked everywhere. Now, if you're not super tuned to walking, that is the only thing that we are actually designed to do. We're not designed to lift super, super heavy things, even though we can, but And we're not designed to run everywhere, even though we can. But whenever we have to run, we have to stretch. We don't have to, but it's preferred. But anytime you see Discovery Channel and you see little gazelle walking along the path, do you see the cheetah in the background, you know, doing this number and, you know, stretching it out and getting loose and limbered up? No, they just go. Okay. So, We are strong, but we're not near as strong as like a silverback gorilla or a rhino or an elephant. We're not even on the scale. And we're not as fast as a cheetah. Cheetah can go 70 miles an hour. Um, Now, it can't go 70 miles an hour for a mile. It's a sprint. But there's animals and that are stronger much better eyesight and Eagle's eyesight would put our eyesight to shame. And we have unbelievable eyes, but actually now I'm talking about that. The fastest animal on ground is a cheetah. The fastest animal is actually a bird. Peregrine Falcon. They've, they've, I think they've clocked it at like on the, on whenever they're swooping down to get something. I think they quoted, I think they, they put them on a radar gun or something at like 245 miles an hour, which is moving by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. But we have free will, we can generate a thought. And we can choose to use our time differently. We don't have to be going so fast. Like whenever they were walking back in like Jesus' day, think about your neck, think about wherever you live, the closest town next to you. Okay. My closest town next to me is a town called Pasadena, Texas. Not Pasadena, California, where the Rose Bowl is, Pasadena, Texas. It looks nothing like LA. And there's chemical plants all up and down the road. So beautiful. They call it Stinkadina because it smells like money. Okay, that's a different story. But for me to walk to Pasadena, the Pasadena city line is in a car probably three minutes this direction, maybe two minutes. If I had to walk over there, that would take me 20 minutes easy to walk over there. So in that book, The Unhurried Life, he talks about 
slowing down. Slow down to speed up. Like they say in Formula One, slow in the corner, fast out of the corner. Or uh, I know Julie's apparently a fan of NASCAR. Same with NASCAR. Whenever they do have to turn right, they've got to slow down because I read, I saw this one time. There was a, there used to be a show called Top Gear. It was on BBC. But now those same guys are have a show on Amazon Prime called uh, The Grand Tour. And they had a Formula One world champion on the show to do whatever. And he said, when you enter a corner, this is, seems like it's unrelated, but it's related. When you enter a corner, you hard on the brake. So you enter the corner slowly. And when you put your foot down, you don't put your foot down until you don't have to take it back off to get out of the corner. That's why they enter the corner slowly and they exit like a slingshot because they're getting momentum as they go through the corner. Okay. That's how you can live your life too. If you go fast in the corner, you exit slow. But if you go slow into the corner, then you can exit faster and gain the people that went the wrong way. Um, but whenever we slow things down, how many times do we think we need to do X, Y, Z and X, Y, Z and everybody has an emergency and we never take time for ourselves? Even if it's five minutes, five minutes of just being still and doing absolutely nothing except breathing deeply. Let's try it. Okay, here we go. In, inhale in through your nose, not where you're the, or not where this goes up, where your belly and put in, in, expands like a balloon, like you're filling up a balloon. That's where you get deep breathing. That's where you re get relaxed. Most of us shallow breathe where it's from here up. We need to breathe where we fill up our belly and make our belly expand like we're filling up a balloon. And inhale through your nose and exhale slowly through your mouth three times. Here we go. One more. Last one, as big as you can. Now, don't you feel better after even 15 seconds of that? That's what slowing down is about. We don't have to run around like a chicken with our head cut off all day, every day, 24 seven, uh, you know, 365. Sometimes what's needed is not doing more, but doing less. So think about like, what could I do that make the other two or three things on my to-do list 
either not necessary or not required. And whatever that is, why don't you go do that? Instead of thinking about all the stuff that you can't be doing, focus on what you can do with what you have. For example, I have a podcast, Masterclass of One. Do I have a mixing board and do I have a HD camera on top of my computer and do I have uh, editing software? No. I use my computer on my desktop. That's right there. And I have a microphone. Do I have to have a microphone? No. I can just put my AirPods in or talk on the microphone that the computer gives me. But I do have a podcast. So a a perfect plan, 80% executed is not as good as an 80% plan, 100% executed. Because we always get caught in the weeds. Oh, well, I've got to have it like this guy, and I got to have it like this guy. And this guy's got 17,000 podcast episodes, and he has all the fancy equipment. He spent thousands of dollars. I've got to spit, I've got to make his uh, sound like, I got to say, make mine sound like his or hers. No, you don't. Start with what you have and begin. Here's a helpful tip. I also have a YouTube channel. Let me tell you how that goes. It's very simple. On Zoom, I hit record. We have our episode. Then I hit stop. It saves to my computer. And I take the video file and I upload it directly into YouTube. I type in the title, type in my tags, type in my description, hit publish. Then I take the audio of what we just did and I upload it directly to my podcast uh, website. Fill in the title. Correction, I copy the title from YouTube and put it on my podcast with the description then I, I, I have something I've already saved. I post that in the description about the podcast and I schedule it. I got a YouTube channel and I got a podcast. And newsflash, uh, I have, I've had this for years because I dabbled in another podcast, which I didn't like. Um, the the software, whatever program I'm using for my uh, podcast is free. The artwork for my podcast, I made something on Canva, which is also free. Uh, YouTube, free. And uh, saving it to my computer, also free. Now, is it going to win an award for the best quality or the best video uh, production value ever? No. If it is, people are blind. 
because I just have a regular camera that's on my desktop. But I got a podcast on YouTube channel. So it's the little things where we try to get overwhelmed and comparing ourselves to other people. Because unless your name is Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, someone somewhere is going to have more money than you. Unless you're one of those two guys. Now they're kind of going neck and neck, especially with Elon buying Twitter for 44 billion. Uh, and math, math class time, a billion is a thousand million times 44, which is a lot of money. Okay. By any stretch of the imagination, 44 billion is a lot of money. But other than those two, there's no one else that's, but before them, it was Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. They had the, they were the two wealthiest guys on, on the planet. But now I don't know Elon Musk and I don't know Jeff Bezos. I do know Jeff Bezos left his wife of 25 years to go uh, to be with someone else. So I guess he was now his wife or whatever. It doesn't matter. So I wonder if they're happy. Because money can't buy you happiness. They can buy you, it can buy you temporary happiness, but everything new eventually turns old. You know, uh, like I love, I love my little, my little, my little knife I bought to open, open, a, it's called a bug. Look, I just use it to open envelopes and stuff. But do I love this as much as I did the very, very first day I got it out of the package? Of course not. It's been sitting on my desk for two years now. I mean, it's just a little bitty knife, you know? So whenever you confuse, uh, whenever you're saying you have lack of time or lack of money, what if you had all the money you actually needed and you're just comparing your, how you should start to everyone else's success? You know, I heard a story of somebody who just started weight training uh, like a couple couple weeks ago after several months, several years of not weight training. And they he said that his trainer is an absolute monster. He's massive NFL linebacker, former NFL linebacker. The guy is looks like a house and the guy was struggling with the bar uh, doing shoulder presses or something. And it was forty five pounds. And he goes, I feel so embarrassed. He's talking to his trainer. He said, I feel so embarrassed that I, I cannot, can barely get this bar up. And the trainer told him, everyone starts with the bar. So you can't compare your day one to someone's 20th year doing whatever it is you're doing. Because that's not fair to you because they've got, they've, been working for 20 years. For example, my pressure washing business. I have personally cleaned 1,770 driveways or houses. 1,770. Now, someone who doesn't know what a pressure washer is, they're not going to be able to say they've cleaned 1,770 driveways. They don't even know how to turn the machine on, much less run the thing. 
But at one point, I only had one. And at one point, I had zero because I wasn't in the game. I wasn't in the pressure washing game. So let's just not let a lack of time and money stop us from getting what we really want. I got asked this today, Julie, I'm going to show you this. This is, I, I sat next to a travel agent this morning and we were talk. I saw some question yesterday. If you had a billion dollars or 44 billion or whatever the question was, what would you do with, say you had a billion, what would you do? I posed that to the, lady I met today, and she actually asked me, I said, I would buy the house that sits in front of this picture that I'm going to show you on my phone. Look at that. Now, right in this picture, right here, I'm standing in the front yard of this house, looking down at this hole. This is in St. Kitts. It's at Royal St. Kit, Royal St. Kitts Golf Course. This is Half Moon Bay in the background. And that little par three, I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my whole life. So if I had a billion, I'd go buy this house. I don't care what it would cost. I don't care if it cost me $400 million. That's what I'd go buy. Now the house... Just looking on the outside of it, I bet you would fit inside my living room. It was a small little house. But, I mean, look at that view. I mean, that was stunning. So, any Zig Ziglar said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you learn to do it well. Another story, a guy said he went, he got fired from his job and he went to go uh, basically to Asia to basically lick his wounds and cry. Basically. And he got into yoga and he told, he, he was going to try to be an instructor for yoga. And he went up to the instructor that was going to teach him. And he said, I don't know enough yoga to be able to teach it. And the instructor told him, some people want a yoga instructor that can put their ankles behind their ears. And some people want a yoga instructor that's just a little bit further down the road than they are. So don't get caught up into the comparison game. Comparison robs your joy and it's going to set you up for disappointment. So I guess my question is, uh, Julia, what do you want? Wow. That's a very loaded question. I want to serve others so that they see how good life can be in spite of the obstacles. 
you can serve others so they can see how good life can be in spite of the obstacles. That's what, that's what you said. Yes. How could you serve them now? And you can't say, I don't have the money and I don't have the time. For example, yesterday, um, I was in the accountability group and one member was just saying that she was overwhelmed by a lot of circumstances and using words that were not helping her walk out of the situation. And I referred back to the spiritual spoke of the wheel and said, in Genesis 1-1, God created and what he used to create with were his words. His words were filled with love and light when he created the universe and created us. He has those same aspects and qualities in us. And we are able to use our words to create a positive environment where we see things differently and we can walk through perceived obstacles with grace and love and have a better perspective and a better mindset. So I just used what I had, some Bible study information and just using God's love to make a change in this person's life. So it didn't cost me any money. It took me five minutes, but it made it a positive impact that really helped this person reframe her perceived challenges about several areas in life to the point of giving up on all the time and money she had invested in her training. And so um, I used my story and I used my words and there was no dollar value to them, but they were, um, yeah, very valuable. And how did that feel? It felt pretty awesome because she had not looked at it from that perspective before. Yeah. Yeah. So that reminds me of a story like, and it goes exactly what you just said. And this isn't scripted. So I have no idea what you were going to say, but it goes, it brings up a story um, where somebody saw uh, in Italy or wherever he's from, somebody saw Picasso doodling on a, a napkin and he's got his pen or whatever, probably a fountain pen. Cause I mean, it's Picasso. It's probably a fountain pen. Um, so I'm doodling on this napkin. It took him like five minutes and he doodles and somebody recognizes it's Picasso. And he, she comes over to Picasso and says, can I buy that doodle uh, napkin from you? And Picasso says, yeah, it'll be $10,000. And she said, $10,000. It took you five minutes to do that. I just saw you do it. He goes, no, ma'am. He goes, it's taken me 20 years to be able to do this in five minutes. Exactly what you were talking about with the person that you were, you were talking to. 
you don't forget all the stuff that you've already learned. You may forget some of it, but you don't forget all of it. So you bring all that stuff with you whenever you're talking to someone. Because for you, it was fairly obvious. Like, well, what about this, this, this? But they were so deep in the woods, that the weeds, they couldn't see it. They couldn't see over the, over, you know, the forest for the trees, you know. And another story, it says, um, another story that's similar to what you just said uh, about the person you were talking to. There was this uh, train that was broke down. And they called the expert in. So they flew him in. They said, this train won't work. It won't start. We tried everything we know how to do. So they fly this guy in and he's looking around the train. He walks all around the train. He takes a small little ball peen hammer and touches one little spot of the train. He goes, fire it up and it fires up and it goes right down the, right down the train. And they're like, thank you. Like, this is amazing. We've been looking on this. He goes, send us a bill. He goes, it'll be $20,000. I said, 20 grand? said, you've been here 45 seconds. He goes, no. He goes, it's taken me 20 years to know where to hit on the train to get it to run. So he said, okay, tapping on the train, $5. Knowing where to touch the train with the hammer, $19,995. Here's the invoice. Okay, pay it. So that's exactly what you ha- what happened with the person you're talking to. You have all your experience and all your knowledge. And all you did was you spoke to him because our words create everything. Everything seen or unseen was at one point, well, not maybe not unseen. Uh, but everything seen was at least spoken by one individual. You know, we've all heard the story of uh, Walt Disney World or whichever one's in Cal- in Florida uh, land uh, world, right? Because lo- lands in California. So Walt yeah. Disney World. Somebody said after he passed, somebody allegedly somebody said to Walt Disney's wife, "I'm sorry that your husband." wasn't here to see it and she said what are you talking about he saw it in his brain before it's even here because it came from his brain to a piece of paper to a drawing to now you have disney world okay and that's that little confusing time with money or uh not uh, lack of time or lack of money in that exact instance You didn't know what to say, but you listened to what he or she was saying, and then the answer came to you, and you had more answers than you thought you did. Yeah. But that didn't call, that took you a little bit of time to help someone, but it cost you no money. But what I didn't hear you say was that you took their question, problem, challenge, whatever that was, and you didn't say, That's interesting. Let me go do some research for the next three hours and I'll give me your telephone number and I'll text with the answer when I find the answer. You gave them what you had. 
for the current situation. And it was exactly what they needed to hear. So whenever, you know, lack of time or lack of money could also be lack of knowledge. And it's like the yoga teacher. Some people want an instructor that can put their ankles behind their ears. And some people which want someone who's a little bit further down the road than they are. So well done on um, helping them with what you had, which surprisingly enough was the exact thing they needed to hear because they had a, oh, I could have had a V8 moment. (laughs) So is there anything currently in your life that you're using a lack of time, money, or let's say knowledge as an excuse? Um, yeah, occasionally, um, starting the conversation with people to become clients, uh, you know, the, nagging thought is, you know, lack of experience, but I just go forward with what I have and sensitive to what I should say to them being supporting and caring and just walk through it and not worry about it. Um, Like you had mentioned to me, it doesn't have to all be done and they don't have to be signed up by the end of the first hour that you ever talk to them, but just building the relationship and let that progress naturally over time. So I'm continuing to have conversations with um, three or four people right now, and I will get back to them um, towards the end of next week and um, just continue building and caring and supporting them. Um, moving forward and then eventually offering them uh, the possibility to work with me in a coaching environment. So, but okay. First off, well done. Bravo. Three finger, three finger clap, three finger clap for you. But I distinctly remember six weeks ago, maybe that you wouldn't talk to anybody. Right. Yeah. Progress. It's, it's the little things that add up over time because you can't get to phone conversation 10 until you do eight and you can't do eight until you do six and you can't do six until you do three and you can't do three until you do one. Right. Right. And that's like the same with my pressure washing. I didn't start off with 1,700 and whatever jobs, eight, 1,770 jobs. I started out with the first job. Yep. But Luke 12, verse 12, red letters, by the way, red letters, boys and girls. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Yes. Amen. Huh. In the famous words of Jim Rohn, one of my favorite people ever, isn't that good information? 
So think maybe like when you talked to that guy yesterday, you didn't know what you were going to say until he started talking. But you said, apparently, your words, something that landed with him or her, whoever it was, and you didn't know what you were going to say before he said it. And it's like, oh, here it is right here. Well, so let's wrap with this. <laughs> so me and my dad try to go eat lunch once a week. We have a three or four people, three or four places that we pretty much go to pretty regularly. And every time we walk out of, let's say Burger Tech's, it's a burger joint around the corner. Every time we walk out of there or wherever Chipotle or wherever we go, one of us will say, well, Burger Tech's came through again. But in your scenario with talking to whoever you were talking to, well, the good Lord came through again. Yes, absolutely. So if we're going to, if we're going to mix in knowledge with the lack of time and the money, how would it change things for you to know that you already know all you need to know for this exact moment? And if you don't, have you ever had a time where somebody said something and some you thought about something that you haven't thought about in 15 years? And it's like, this is exactly what we need to talk about right now. I haven't thought about this in three decades. Luke 12, 12. Absolutely. I we, learned a lot. We will see y'all soon. If y'all have any questions, reach out to me, David Creel, world's best WU coach. Y'all have a great one. David has been a coach basically his entire life. He was made to coach people. He loves seeing people transform their lives through coaching. It's been said that it takes a coach to get you to a place inside yourself that you can't get to by yourself. It's also been said that you're only one conversation away from a completely changed life and that nothing ever happens outside of a conversation. If you'd like to have a conversation with David about where you currently are in life and where you want to go, reach out to him at davidcreel.com.